Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wooden. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio and I love all things tech. And it's time for a classic episode. This episode published on Christmas Eve of 2014. It is titled The CES Story. So CES being the Consumer Electronics Show, it's a it's a show I haven't attended for a couple of years. And I mean, to be fair, like they didn't have one in 2020 because of the pandemic. Um, I'm not certain what the plan is for 2021. I think the idea was that they were going to have it in person again, but it's been a while since I've looked into it. I have not made any plans to attend, um, but we'll see if I ever go back. It's an interesting experience, not necessarily one of my favorite things to do, except for the fact that whenever I do go, I tend to see some of my peers in the tech podcasting space, and it's always nice to see them in person. I am a great admirer of many of the technology podcasting field, and uh, it's just nice to be able to rub elbows with them, chat with them, just see how they're doing. Uh, Always appreciate that. Seeing the technology in person also pretty cool, but there's a lot that goes on at CES that I just find physically and mentally exhausting. Anyway, let's listen to this classic episode. The organization behind CES, um, 
basically is is right in thinking that a lot more people know about this show than than they used to. Yeah, it's the Consumer Electronics Association that yes. puts on the show. And that that's an organization of around 2000 companies that are in the consumer electronics industry. Mm-hmm. And these companies have formed this organization for many reasons. Uh, part of it is uh, the organization conducts a lot of market research to kind of find out what consumers are interested in, what the trends are going to be, so that companies can kind of get a jump on things and start developing uh, products that are going to really appeal to people. You know, that it's always a challenge figuring out what people are going to be interested in and and developing that because you you know most of these products have development cycles that last a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So to or be, more in some cases. Yeah. So to be able to identify what a, a trend is going to be not tomorrow but two years from tomorrow is a huge challenge. So that's part of what the CEA does. They also have networking opportunities. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of these really important folks in various uh, major companies, and they all tend to know each other through organizations like the CEA. And uh, it's also about education around uh, things like legislation and regulation, because a lot of these industries do have legislation and regulation surrounding them. So it's important for companies to be aware of that and to know what is and isn't uh, cricket before they go into developing a product. Well, but, if I'm but, sorry, but CES is their big like that's the thing everyone knows them for. Yes, because CES is just it's it's, it's like, the public face of the organization, and really. it's and it's become such a huge event, especially from its uh, humble beginnings. Yes, yes, but in in, in essence, um, it's a trade show, um, basically a big open floor with booths where. Companies are showing off their products, and there are people, representatives from the company, uh, not necessarily company employees. Sometimes they're they're PR yeah, people that they've hired to hired, talk about hired guns who come in and they've got uh, fact sheets about all the different products that they have all memorized, and they are happy to spout off. But if you ask them anything that's not on the fact sheet, then they give you an email. <laughs> here, here, take my card. Yeah, um, we'll get into into what it's like. It's it's interesting to note. Um, that this, you know, we we're in a, a gadget hungry world now. Yeah. We're in the in the two thousands, we're in the twenty first century. Uh, before that, you know, it's like the nineties were kind of like that too. The eighties, we had the Walkman, uh, we had the the debut of the compact disc player, um, which we'll get into in a minute. Yep. Um, you know, we 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 live in a, an electronics crazy world, but it the the show goes back a little before that to a time when there weren't. Um, you know, 50 different things plugged into our walls in our living room, yeah. uh, sucking down juice. There yeah. were, there were, this organization and this event dates back into the 1960s. Yeah, 1967 in New York City, that was the first CES. And back then, electronics consisted of one radio and a television that didn't work yet. Not true. No, that's that's totally that was a complete and well, the 1967 part was true, but the rest was a lie. Right. Uh, yeah. I did find a a Flickr set of mm. photos from uh, from early CESs I back in the late. I didn't know Flickr 60s. was around in 1967. That's amazing. The photos, however. Oh, right. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, you can upload old ones. It's it's interesting um, to see people lined up at the registration booth. Yeah. Um, where you can count them. Wearing yeah, wearing suits and ties. Yes. You know because hey, you know they were members of the press and, and it was members a trade of the show. you know and it was a trade show. So yeah. You dressed up. Yeah, it was wearing uh, their fedoras. Yeah. <laughs> and none of them were were platypi. Right. Right. Anyway. Oh, there you are, Perry. Uh, the uh, so that that first show, there were two hundred exhibitors at that first show, and there were uh, seventeen thousand five hundred 
people attending the show. And we should also point out that when we say people, two hundred. <laughs> 200 exhibitors, yeah. Oh, if only. Yeah. I, I could go for half a day and I'd be done. Um, 17,500 attendees and, and, uh, the attendees were all industry related. Uh, you, yeah. you know, it's not open to the public. Why, yeah, why, why would you want to go? Yes, cause I mean, the idea, I mean, it, <laughs> I often ask myself that question, but no, the, uh, uh, the, well, the, yeah, but I mean, it's there are variations on different TV sets yeah, and, yeah. and I mean, different kinds of radios. There's stuff that's interesting, but for the most part, what this is for it's it's for the the vendors, the, the manufacturers, to show off new products to retailers. Yeah, so that retailers will go and order the right. the devices from the manufacturer and start selling them through their retail stores. That's typical and, of a trade show. That's what yeah, they're for. That's that's the main. That's the big business that's going on. Uh, at CES. And then you have the press as well uh, that covers CES. And I think back in 1967, there probably weren't any bloggers. New. But it was all journalists. Um, so, And I'm assuming that a lot of them probably wouldn't have been interested in this because this isn't as interesting to the reader in 1967, uh, the general reader, right. as it would be today. Yeah. There, you know, the, there did become kind of an interesting... Uh, History at CES for new technologies to debut there, and we'll talk about those in a little bit. But um, when it first started, it was pretty, it was it was fairly modest, and it was not the only big trade show out there either. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of the ones that we hear about consistently today, but mm-hmm. it's not the only one. It was actually a spinoff of another trade show, the Chicago Music Show. Really? Yep. Back in the day. Interesting. But um, uh, and then. Uh, you know, you skip ahead by about a decade, unless you had, do you had specific things you wanted to talk about in the early history of CES? Um, no, not necessarily. So I was thinking like back in, around 1978, mm-hmm. the CEA decided to try something new mm-hmm. and hold actually two trade shows per year. Right. There one, was a winter and a summer. Right. And the winter one was always in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And the summer one for the first, uh, first couple of decades was in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but then in 1995, CEA decided to try an experiment and move the summer city to different destinations mm-hmm. and to kind of play that, play with that and see how that went. Uh, originally they were going to go to Philadelphia in, uh, 95, I think. And then, uh, the problem was it was scheduled directly against, uh, the E3, um, event and E3, yes. the electronic in, uh, entertainment expo is another big trade show. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, so a lot of exhibitors were kind of expressing concern about that because they really wanted to be and, – and retailers too. They mm-hmm. wanted to be at the other trade show as well. They, they'd have to p- pick between the two. And if, if you've got one show that has two shows a year and one that only has one show a year, well, then that's easy. You you skip the one that has two. You can go to the other show and then you go, you or you still have another chance to make it to the first one. Mm-hmm. So uh, they tried that a couple times uh in uh, 1998, they decided, you know, this doesn't make any sense. We're just going to do one show a year. It'll be that winter show, and it's going to be in Vegas, and that's how it's been since. Mm-hmm. So, um, you wanted to talk about some of the the products, some of the technologies that have debuted at CES. Yeah, we actually we actually <clears throat> have several um, tech stuff episodes about some of the technologies that have. Uh, that were first shown off to people be- beyond the manufacturers uh, mm-hmm. at CES. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, this is this is one of those those things about the show. Um, well, we were going to talk about what it's like to go to the show, but if you go to to any of the booths, I mean, you're likely to see 
incremental changes yeah. in a product. Uh, the next version of a technology. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've got the, uh, the new camera, which has a slightly faster, um, you know, ability to do burst photography. Well, or, a few years or, ago, burst photography was new. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you most, know, it's an most improvement. Of, I'd say 99% of the stuff you encounter at CES is, uh, just a, a slight evolution on technology we've already seen. Yeah. But and, that 1%. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, there, there, um, variations on stuff. It'll be, uh, you know, things that are slightly smaller. You know, right. than last year, or, or it'll they come in different colors, or like the a camera that incorporates a button so that you can share photos on social networking sites more more readily. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Well, like a new feature that's in a and pre existing technology. Yeah, you know, or you'll go to a uh, or we'll go to a press event and they'll we'll find out that um, the TVs are not any particularly larger or or thinner than they were last year, but this time they're. Blue, because yeah. blue is the trendy color this year. Yeah, but uh, you will find the stuff that is brand new and stuff that is that was previously unavailable to the public. Yeah, uh, that will be including. Um, and my first device was uh, 1970. That groundbreaking, and when I mean groundbreaking, it's because it was large and heavy. Video cassette recorder. Yep, yep. Video cassette recorders or VCRs debuted at CES. It was the First time uh, anyone outside of the the industry uh, got a chance to get a look at one of these, and um, for those of you who don't remember, VCRs were a big thing. Yeah, yeah, and and one of your uh, your hits. Now, this I have a list that came from CES itself. Yeah, uh, the next of which was the Laserdisc player, nineteen seventy four, and that was a. that was pretty huge. Yeah, though laserdisc players ended up being more of a, a niche market. There was a, a like an enthusiast market that it was extremely popular, and um, I mean there's still devotees of the uh, the laserdisc player out there today, but uh, it never reached uh, a kind of widespread adoption. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm going to do that thing that that Jonathan hates it when I do when I actually hold something up. Yeah, especially since uh, I don't have my glasses on. Oh, Hang on. Do you recognize this device? That would be the first cheap digital watch from Texas Instruments. Yes, it made its its debut in the in the mid seventies. I did recognize it. Twenty dollars. Yeah, that was a. Uh, if you listen to our Texas Instruments uh, episodes, then you know we actually talked about that about how <clears throat> Ti helped bring in this era of of less expensive digital uh, watches before that they were all these luxury items that cost hundreds of dollars transistors yes transistors speaking of something that has transistors in it um, uh-huh. a device that I owned in the 1970s and this uh, it's, it's interesting that you brought up e3 in the mid 90s because e3 is a much younger trade show um, if you wanted to show off the next uh, device you would have to uh, take it to CES because there wasn't an E3 um, when it showed up in 1977, and that would be Atari's VCS yes. video computer system. Other consoles also first debuted at CES, including some that debuted after E3 started. That includes Pong. That's that was after, that was before E3, uh, but NES mm-hmm. that also debuted at CES in, yeah. in America. Granted, it had already been out in Japan, right? Right, <clears throat> but made its American debut in uh, uh, at a winter CES show, and then. Uh, also, the Xbox. Yeah. Um, traditionally, there are several keynote speeches that take place at CES. Uh, it's not all just out there on the, the trade show floor where you're looking at booths. They also have sessions that they hold yes. where they talk about trends and technology and, and 
companies will un- have a press event where they'll unveil the stuff that you would be able to see on the floor, but you'll get a, an early look at what it can do before you get to the floor. Well, Microsoft has had a keynote slot at CES for years. Mm-hmm. And at one of these, they unveiled the Xbox. Yep. So that was, um, it wasn't an E3 thing. That was before Microsoft was big in games. Yeah, that was it was a that was a pretty that interesting was a announcement. huge splash for Microsoft because yeah. you know Microsoft had been involved in games on the computer side, but not so much on the console side. So this was definitely a a, yeah. a pretty big move, and uh, it turned out to be a really successful one. Which you know it's nice to be able to say that about Microsoft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I I, I didn't mean to say that they weren't because they they had done uh, they had been. Releasing games for years, yeah. but not on the scale that the Xbox. Right, it was all com- it was all computer based, like Microsoft Flight Simulator type stuff. We'll be back with more about the CES story in just a moment, but first, let's take a quick break. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of: employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The other technologies that debuted at CES, um, well, you talked about laser discs and VCRs. Let's stay on that topic. There. Well, 1981 was a big year. Yeah. Because that was when the camcorder and compact disc player were shown off. Uh, CDs. Yep. And, and then uh, DVDs also debuted mm-hmm. at CES, and uh, as did um, uh, Blu-ray. Yes. It also debuted at CES. Yep. Oh, and don't forget that uh, uh, earth-shattering uh, announcement from Sony in 1993, the, the mini-disc. Yeah. <laughs> but very popular in other parts of the world. True. Not true. so much in the United States. Um, you know, high, high def TV here yep. in the United States. Yep. Um, you know, plasma TVs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff. And of course, uh, 3D HD TV in the, in the, uh, 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, um, well, first of all, let's talk about 2000, uh, I've got one event in 2005. This was before we went, but in 2005 we have to talk about the oh. the embarrassing moment for Bill Gates. Yeah, that that you know what in doing the research for this, I wanted to look for products and and things that made their uh debut and that was mentioned in several and I kind of kind of feel terrible about it, you know that, that so many people remember it. Sometimes stuff doesn't beep. That's the problem. Uh, so yeah, but for that to happen to the company's founder and and on a keynote speech, keynote yeah. Speech here's here's CES. what happened because you know we're dancing around it. So Bill Gates is up on stage oh, and ouch. he is uh, uh, he's demonstrating a, a Windows Media Center to a, a crowd at CES, and as he's demonstrating it, the system crashes and he gets the blue screen of death. So imagine being the CEO of a company. You're showing off your latest product on on a device that has had its share of jokes directed at it for its um, yeah. the you know the fact that it does tend to crash and that the when it does crash you get this blue screen. For that to happen in public on the stage, that had to have been a little uh, you know a, a little bit embarrassing. And the the press had a pretty good time with it, and oh, still yeah. does. So anytime you see like a wrap up of big moments in CES, like Chris was saying, it tends to be included. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um, and I have one more big moment, yeah, uh, in a similar vein that I think can uh, can easily launch us into the second half of our podcast, where we talk mm-hmm. about what it's like to be at the show. Yeah, um, Jonathan and I. The only time that Jonathan and I attended CES together was in two thousand eight. Yes. And there was another, um, 
I, I hate to use the term epic fail, but this is this was painful in, in its obviousness. Um, I think we, I know what you're going for, but I want to hear it. We had an opportunity to be on the show floor early because we were members of the media. Yes. So we got a chance to kind of see. Now, most of the, the booths were kind of wrapped off so that you couldn't see it. But um, if you look at some of those old photo sets of old CESs, the booths were very bland. It would be a white booth with the name of the company written on it. Well, okay, it was black and white. So yeah. it looked like a white booth with the name of the company. Very, very sober in comparison with today's where they have – Elaborate displays with speakers and uh, all kinds of brilliant marketing materials. And they might, and 3D they might even bring like overlays of, of stuff so that the cubicle yeah. doesn't look like a so, so that the cube doesn't look like a cube. It looks like something else. Sure, sure, yeah. And in some cases, um, you know, you can't really see in it before they've uh, started the show. Right. But in, in some cases, they can't hide yeah. what's going on. So we're walking around the show floor and getting an idea of what uh, what we're going to get an opportunity to see the next day. And uh, on on one side we see Sony's enormous pirate ship. Yes. Uh, of the Blu-ray display. Yeah. So yeah, they actually had a a this this uh, uh, set essentially, and it was because of Pirates, Pirates of the of Caribbean. Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had this big pirate ship type set in the middle of their booth. Now now some of these booths are small. Like some of them, some of them are only a slightly larger than what you would find in an office cubicle. Yeah, I mean, their marketing, <laughs> marketing dollars don't grow on trees for some companies, right? So they, because they are paying for square footage yes. at this event, and mm-hmm. other other ones, especially you know, of course, from the big companies, are enormous, enormous yeah. booths. Panasonic, Sony. This, this is taking place. Most of these uh, booths yeah. are at the Las Vegas Convention Center, which has, I think, three and a half million square feet of space. Yes, and and. <laughs> in CES these days, it's not just one building. No, it's they also in many other floors and some in of the several hotels. hotels. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you were saying so the Blu-ray, right. the Blu-ray presence is there. Yes, Sony Blu-ray, and it was obvious. And then uh, a couple rows over, it wasn't even that far. It was on yeah. the same show floor. Yeah, it was. Was yeah. was the and this is again one of our very first podcasts. That we did uh, back when we were five minutes long. Yeah. HD DVD versus Blu-ray. Right. HD DVD was supposed to be at CES, and the week before CES, uh, there was a big stink because Warner Brothers announced that it was going to be exclusively Blu-ray from that moment on. And that was one of the few big uh, uh, movie studios that w- had still been backing HD DVD. Yes. At that point, HD DVD, they, uh, which that's from Toshiba, right? Yeah. Uh, had... Um, the Toshiba had decided to pull the HD DVD presence from CES rather than have to endure a, a week-long uh, uh, onslaught of questions about what are you going to do now. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was the thing. It there were um, there were rumors that there was something going to happen with uh, HD DVD. Uh, I guess in the weeks prior. Yeah. And then it happened right before they had the set yeah. in place on the show floor and it essentially it was never opened. Yeah. Um and and we didn't know. We got the announcement while we were there. Yeah. <laughs> um that they were they were going to do it and then as we were there they said, "Yeah, we're we're done." Yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty much the end of HD DVD. I but had we were that written down that. too. Yeah, uh that also was um 2008 was a big year for uh for CES there were 141,000 attendees mm-hmm. so up from that 17,500 previously just just a few more um now uh i actually wrote down the 
a couple of just little facts about every year from 2008 to 2011 because we were, uh, you know, I attended all of those. By all so, means. Uh, just a couple little notes. So you covered HD DVD, which was one of the notes I had for 2008. The number of attendees was another. And also, I have what CNET picked out as the best of CES. Oh, for each of okay. These years. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, CNET is the official streaming partner of CES, or was in uh, for those years. And so CNET always holds an awards um Ceremony where what they do is their editors go and hit the floor and they all look at all the different tech out there and then they get together and they decide what is the what is the best thing on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll be interested to hear what won over some of these years because they're not all good stories. Okay, go ahead. So 2008 CNET Awards. This one's not bad. Is the Philips Eco TV? I the remember best that. In show. Yeah, this was a 42 inch 1080p HD TV that had a lot of energy saving technology built into it because. Mm-hmm. 2008, I think Chris can remember this too. 2008, I think was the the big trend was green technology. Absolutely, in was. 2008. Um, you can usually spot some pretty pretty prevalent trends each year at CES mm-hmm, too mm-hmm. if you attend. We can talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, 2009, um, that was the uh, when the LG watch phone was on the show floor. Oh yeah, which but never came a, to the United States. But it made a huge uh, hit at the the show. Yeah, got a lot of buzz because everyone's. Saying, oh, it's the Dick Tracy watch, except it's got video and everything, and it's a touchscreen interface. And uh, you know what? We don't have the LG watch phone, but we do have uh, the iPod Nano that has a lot of the same functionality, just not the phone part. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but what won that year? CNET's prize went to the Palm Pre. Oh, yes. Which is kind of sad. Yeah. So. If, just in short, Palm Pre from from uh, from Palm uh, never right. really took off. It very much impressed everyone. Everyone thought that it was going to be a, a real uh, uh, competitor to the iPhone. Yeah, that was basically the debut of their brand new operating system, yeah, WebOS. WebOS. And then it just never got traction. It, it took about six months from CES before it even hit the market. And by then, the buzz had died down. Yeah. So it never really took off. HP ended up buying Palm. Uh, the Palm phones began to disappear WebOS became a tablet-only thing, and then 2011 happened, and no one really was sure what was going to happen with WebOS because they first HP was saying we're done with it, and then they're like, no, we're not done with it, so we don't know if we're done with it, and now they're saying we're not done with it, and we're moving it to open source. So that's been the journey of WebOS since CES 2009. Ouch. Yeah, pretty crazy. And we did a whole episode on Palm, so you mm-hmm. can listen to that if you want to know more about that company. 2010. Uh, the big thing I remember from 2010 is seeing Intel's Nehalem processor oh, yeah. running. I had written an article about the Nehalem processor, and this time I got a chance to see it, uh, and I was very much impressed. The big win for uh, that year was Panasonic's 3D HDTV. Uh, yeah. That's what CNET gave the award to. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, 3D television still has not really taken hold. It just hasn't really gained that much traction. There are a lot of televisions out there that have 3D built into them, but we have not seen 3D become a real powerhouse in home entertainment. Yep. And and actually, you're mentioning um, uh, the Nehalem processor kind of reminded me, too. A lot of the stuff on the show floor... I mean, we've we've had many people uh, tell us that they think going to CES would be a whole lot of fun, and yeah, in some ways, getting the chance to see these gadgets and 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 cool toys and, and talk all sorts to of some stuff, of the people behind it. Yeah, that that part is kind of cool. But there's a lot of stuff where I mean, looking at uh, uh, a motherboard with an Halem processor. I mean, what Intel does when they show that kind of thing off. Um, 
is they show a computer running stuff that you know they're talking about the the optimization but if you look at the processor i mean it's it's a chip yeah it's so there's not... there's a lot of stuff there that's just and, and it's good and it's important and yeah. it's it's nice to have in your next computer you know oh man look how fast that is i'd like to have that but you don't stay there all day and just marveling at it yeah. because it's the coolest thing ever yeah we can talk about some of that it is cool we can talk about some of that also when we get into our personal experiences because i've got a whole rant i could go off on but uh not but, about intel though but um, they're they're expected to show a new processor this year right ivy bridge. ivy bridge yeah i saw sandy bridge last year and again that was very impressive so that was something for 2011 TikTok. uh last year being this year as we're recording it, but last year when you're listening to this, 2011, yeah, I saw I saw Sandy Bridge and that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also it was a big year for tablets and smartphones uh, yeah. last year, 2011. Yep. Um, the Motorola Atrix, which was the smartphone oh, yeah. that could yeah. dock with a a laptop like docking device and it could power that laptop, so you were actually using the smartphone's operating system but in a laptop form factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, BlackBerry Playbook was there to to play with. That was the right. first time I got my hands on one of those. Um, lots of different devices. CNET gave the award to the Motorola Zoom. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which again, just never really. I mean, it hasn't done terrible in the. It's not. It's not. It's. It's not a, a failure or anything in the market. But I don't think it ended up making as big a splash as we thought back when we were at CES. Yeah, um, and part of that is just you know I, that that was sporting the new uh, Honeycomb build of Android. Mm-hmm. Well, within that same year, we've seen Ice Cream Sandwich come out, or, or at least unveiled. Mm, ice cream. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's one of the issues with CES, too, is that sometimes the stuff that you see at the show that you think is going to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for this to hit the market. Sure, it's going to sure. be the next big thing. Some of it some of it never comes to market mm-hmm. and some of it will come to market and then just fizzle. Uh, uh, let me get my let me get the one item that never came to market that just drove me crazy. I, I know what that's this one is. The Lenovo U1. I knew what that one was. Oh, oh the Lenovo U1, which was a um a notebook computer where you could detach the screen from the base of the computer and it would become a tablet. And it actually had two different operating systems. When it was a notebook computer, it was running Windows 7. The original build I saw, when you detach the screen, it would switch to a Linux-based operating system. The second time I saw it, uh, which was uh, CES... Oh, I can't remember if it was 2010, the first time, or 20, 2009. Anyway, the second time I saw it, uh, they had switched the tablet operating system over to Android. Uh, and in both cases, they they were hoping to aim for a summer release, mm-hmm. and it never happened. It did. There were some limited releases in China, but nothing in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I, this was the tablet device I really wanted because I wanted something that I could use as a full computer, or I could detach the screen and use that as a tablet, so that I could preload all the things I needed before detaching the tablet part, and then I'd have it to refer to on the tablet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, for all the heavy data processing type stuff or, or, or word processing, you know, word entry kind of things, uh, I could use a keyboard instead of a touchscreen device. And um, and yeah, I'm still uh, still sad that that never really came out. Um, but yeah, let's talk about what it's like when you go to CES. Um, we can cu- we'll mostly be talking about it from the perspective of press because that's what we are. Uh, we we haven't we've never exhibited at CES. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, it's uh, I can I can say that it's if if you're interested in uh, gadgets or you're a member of of the media, it's the experience is not going to be terribly difficult because um, 
you're going to want to see as much of the show as you can. Now that the show takes the better part of a week. Yep. Um, and you know, as, as, as I mentioned and Jonathan mentioned before, um, it's quite a lot of square footage in terms of show space. Yeah. Um, it's grown very, very large. There's even an outdoor section where they have, uh, mobile electronics and things, uh, and cars, cars, um, yeah, that, w- that was the first time I saw a Fiat 500 because uh, Microsoft was showing off its uh, uh, sync yep. operating system, and they had a Fiat 500 there. And I thought, wow, man, look at this. They they brought a Fiat overseas for just for this show. Um, a lot of the audio uh, exhibitors are in hotel suites in yes. one of the nearby hotels because you know you don't want to you don't want to have to try and dis- and and show off your your high end audio equipment on a show floor that's just clamoring with noise. Yeah. You need to have your own little area so that you've at least kind of blocked out most of the ambient noise so people can really hear what your your stuff can do. Yeah. To to quote uh Dr. Seuss, oh the noise, 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 yeah. noise. Yeah. It is it's a loud environment. People are talking. There's media playing from from pretty much everywhere. Yeah, at the central hall you get um uh there's usually a few the the one the one audio areas you'll hear the most are from are, are the um the car sets, like the the the, the audio uh, stereo systems that go into cars, mm-hmm. those tend to actually be on the show floor. Yeah, and they tend to drown everything else out. I yeah. know that when um, Leo Laporte first got his This Week in Tech table set up over at uh, CES, he was put directly across from an area where they had uh, several of these uh, exhibitors showing off these incredibly powerful stereo systems. And so through most of the twit footage of that first year you hear doom 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 like in the background. <laughs> and like people are shaking when they're sitting there at the table. It was pretty intense. Yeah they even had uh in two thousand eight when I when we went uh they even had marine electronics. They had boats yeah. going doom doom Yeah. Yep and so uh it was uh, uh pretty Interesting. So some of these some of these booths that you'll you would see are are wide and spread out and and in some cases it's that the company wants to make a big statement but doesn't necessarily have that much to show. Um, sometimes it's that they need the space like uh, the the parrot drone. Oh uh, yeah. The first yeah. time I saw that, you know, that's the the it's got four uh, helicopter type yeah. blades. Uh, I've seen it called corners. a quadricopter. Yeah, a quadricopter. That's that's not bad. Um, and you can control it through an, uh, a mobile device. It was it used to just be um, iPhone, mm-hmm. but and they've expanded it a little bit since then. But that was really pretty cool um, and but took up a lot of space. But it was it was it consistently drew crowds. Yeah, Taser tends to have its own space. Last year, I saw them tasering people. That was kind of interesting. I bet that was a shock. Yeah, I bet it was. They got a real charge out of it. It's time for another quick break, but we will be right back. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. 
take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was we'll it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. For every booth that you see that has really cool tech in it, mm -hmm. there are about 15 booths that have things like computer cases or yeah. smartphone cases or smartphone decals to put on I mean, like stuff that's accessories for things that you already own. So it's not as exciting. Mm -hmm. It's definitely stuff that people want. So yeah. that's why it's at the trade show because retailers are going to be looking around to see what's available and say, oh, you know what? I want my store to carry this line of smartphone case because I think that would really move. Yeah. Um, 
but as a as a member of the press or maybe just a member of the general public, if somehow you'd found your way into CES, it wouldn't necessarily be like, oh my gosh, look at that smartphone case. Well, and some of the manufacturers too aren't necessarily cutting edge. You might see a headphone manufacturer there, and they're not making uh, the latest noise canceling headphones, or that hey, that would come in handy at CES, or um, uh, you know the the high end cans that you see um, people paying three hundred or more dollars for. Yeah. You'll see low cost headphones. Yeah. Look, we made uh, you know earbuds with better response uh, that retail for nineteen ninety nine. And, and that's not going to be exciting news necessarily, but it might be for retailers who are going, hey, I can, I can offer a wider range of low-cost stuff and sell these in my store. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of manufacturers from overseas who are showing off um, how they've been able to manufacture things in smaller packages and, uh, and for lower costs. Um, so you might be able to to fill out your low range if you're uh, looking for stuff to include in your store. Yeah, there's actually an entire section that's essentially uh, uh, from Asian uh, markets, and it's all these really tiny booths filled with some of it's filled with some of the weirdest electronics you've ever seen. Like it's all the stuff that you would typically say, "Wow, that that clearly had to come from Japan because it's just so unusual." But um but also a lot of the other like the 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 less expensive, the more affordable types of electronics, you know, sure. the, the not the cutting edge stuff, but the stuff that has been refined to a point where the price has really come down. Mm-hmm. Um and then there are other sections of the floor where you're going to you're going to see the the cutting edge, like the top stuff that's coming out the next year. Um, these are usually from the really, really big companies. I mean, once in a while, a small company will, will really throw you. Mm-hmm. you know, you'll, you'll go to some small booth and you're like, wow, the Parrot drone in a way was like that. A lot of people said, wow, that's really innovative. Yeah. Um, but uh, more often than not, you're going to see people talking about the big companies like Sony, Panasonic. Um, Toshiba. Toshiba. LG. Yep. LG. LG always has a really big uh, presence there. Um, Intel, mm-hmm. Microsoft, uh, these are the companies that have some of the largest booth spaces on there. And like some of the booth spaces for some of these companies are the same as if you took 10 of the other exhibitors together and put them all in the same space. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, these places are, are in a lot of cases larger than a small retail store. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the, the result of that is you can spend a whole day looking at a small section of the floor. Because you need a few minutes to take in what it is you're looking at. So, I mean, you could spend a lot of time on your feet yeah. um, looking around, and it's uh, it can be wearying, especially if you're carrying uh, 20 pounds of laptop. paper press kits or and, and – uh, six pounds of laptop. Yeah, yeah. They uh, don't they don't do the paper press kits as much anymore. Thank no, goodness. but that was the year that I yeah, went. And I yeah. had a oh. lot of stuff. No, we there was a point. I remember Chris and I both at one point took out all the press kits we had, and it was it was probably combined. It was probably at least fifty pounds of of paper. Yeah. Thankfully, they don't do that anymore. Yeah. No. Now not as much. Now it tends to either be on a thumb drive or they give you a card that has a link to an online yeah. uh, press kit, which is so much better. Also, it makes it way easier to get hold of uh, uh, things like images and stuff if you need to yeah. run an article. So that that fantastic. Keep that up. The um, but it goes on for days. I mean, you can after the first day or so, you can be quite tired from yeah, the experience. There, and there's there's just a lot to see and a lot to do. There are three main halls in yeah. the convention center: mm-hmm. North Hall, Central Hall, and South Hall. 
And uh, South Hall is the one that I typically hit first. And there, most several of the big name companies are in South Hall. Central Hall has more of the big name companies, and I believe it's the Central Hall that has two floors, mm-hmm. which makes that even more uh, intimidating. And then the North Hall tends to have a lot of the vehicle stuff. Some of it's in the Central Hall, but most of the vehicle stuff's in the North Hall. The stuff that's not on display outside the convention right, center. Right. Um, and so uh, you also. They also will have special zones set up now at CES. So like mm-hmm. they'll have a green zone area where they've got a lot of exhibitors who all specialize in green technology together. They'll have an educational zone. They'll have a senior uh, uh, citizen type zone. So technology mm-hmm. that's specifically geared toward um, uh, meeting the needs of, of uh, elderly uh, users. So that's kind of interesting that, you know, you, these different zones can be in various halls. It all depends on, you know, how CES is arranged that particular year. Uh, then you've got all the, the different, um, ones that are in the, the, the nearby hotels. Um, for example, the Venetian off, often has its own, uh, the audio section. Also, the Venetian and Sands Expo Center tends to have a hall, display hall as well. It's a smaller one. Doesn't have as many big names in it, but it's another, it's another exhibitor hall. So mm-hmm. it's not just the Las Vegas Convention Center, which is already huge. The Hilton tends to have several suites that people are using, that exhibitors are using. Sometimes you have companies that don't rent space at CES. But they show up and get a suite at a hotel, and then they try and entice you to come over to the hotel so they can show off their stuff without actually being part of the CES. So mm-hmm. there's that issue as well. And then there are all the parties. Okay. <laughs> so people who have never been to CES who are saying, wow, this sounds like it's incredible. I can't, And there are parties? That sounds amazing. Let me tell you what a CES party is like. <laughs> so a CES party, you, you, will, you will eat well, and you will – you, you could potentially drink as well. I don't drink, so that means nothing to me. Um, I mean, I drink water, but I don't drink alcohol, so that means nothing to me. But you go, you'll see some cool tech, and then you try and talk over the sound of everyone else talking plus the ambient music, which is usually about three three or four times louder than it needs to be, mm-hmm. in order to explain who you are and, and and find out more about this product. It's all business talk. It's not... It's not fun stuff. Like it's not it's not a party you go to to have fun. It's a party you go to to network, to get a little more information about stuff. It's still working. Yeah. So it's not like um, you know, you're you're dancing the night away. It's not like that. Although maybe there are some of those CES parties and those are just the ones I've never gone to. Uh so now at this point I tend to I I'll I'll try and go to a party now and then because it is a really good way to network with people. And it is a very good way like if you if you write about how stuff works like I do, it can be invaluable to get the business card of an executive so that mm-hmm. you can contact that person and say, hey, I'm working on this article about the thing that you specialize in. Is there anyone at your company I could speak with so I could get an expert uh, on uh, involved in, in writing this article? Mm-hmm. It's incredible. But now I'll, I will often try and uh, save the time after the show floor closes to getting together with some of my peers in tech journalism to sit down and just kind of talk about what we saw and kind of share knowledge because there's a lot of that at CES. It's nice. You know, you don't see a lot of, at least in my experience, I don't see a lot of journalists kind of shutting themselves off from everyone else and not talking for fear of losing the scoop. Mm-hmm. It tends to be a lot of people sharing their information and kind of, you know, figuring out what are the trends? What, what are, what is it that we're seeing? What does this mean mm-hmm. for the upcoming year? And that to me is is fascinating. That's one of the parts that I, I like the most about CES. Uh, so sitting around in the old 
what used to be the Star Trek experience at the Hilton <laughs> with uh, with uh, folks from the Twit Network or from uh, from Revision Three uh, or from uh, CNET. I mean, that's that's fantastic. I love yeah. that. But it's uh yeah, it's not all fun and games. That's for sure. Um, no, it's a lot of work. It is, and it is probably. It's one of the most physically tolling things I've had to do at How Stuff Works. It's by the end of the day, you you feel it. Yeah, and then uh, you and get up and do it again. Here's here's a hint for any of you who are doing CES for the first time this year. If you're listening to this, you, it might be too late. So if it's <laughs> first time you're doing CES, will be 2013. Here's here's what you do. You need to know. If you plan on doing something after the show floor closes. And you go back to your hotel room to set stuff down so that you can go back out. Do not, do not sit down and or lie down because that's it. Yeah. You're not moving again. Yeah. I have made that mistake so many times. But I mean, oh, those chairs and beds just look so comforting after oh, you've yeah. been on your feet all day long. It's a, it's a very interesting trade show. It, I don't think it's as, Phenomenal or magical as outsiders seem to think it is. Yeah. I mean, but that's because I've covered it for four years now. So, um, if you, if you were to experience it, the way I try and explain it to people is if you're a journalist, imagine walking into the world's largest shopping mall, mm-hmm. but every single store just sells electronics. And it's your job to go into every single store and look at every single shelf at every single device. And then you're going to write up what the best was when you're done. That wraps up this classic episode of Tech Stuff, the CES story. Uh, Again, I don't know if or when I will be back at CES. There are definitely aspects of it that I I do miss. Um, And, you know, it is really interesting to kind of see the the technology that's coming up. Or even often you'll see stuff that's more in a kind of concept phase where you're not likely to see the actual product or you're not going to see something that looks exactly like that moving forward, but it might be stuff that gets incorporated into products. And occasionally you see stuff that just plain never comes out, you know, like phones that change size, that kind of thing. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this. If you have suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, you should reach out to me on Twitter. The handle we use for the show is TechStuffHSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. 
Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wounded. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.